Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. Welcome to The Word on Wednesday. I am Pastor Winfred Burns, and we shall immediately get into The Word. I thank God for your prayers. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, we've had a, a few internet problems, as well as um, uh, I needed a little rest. So we took a couple of weeks off to, you know, kind of solve the little internet problem and get some rest. I I, I schedule myself for a couple of weeks off uh, every say ten weeks or so, but lately, in trying to complete this uh, study, I haven't been uh, taking the weeks off that I should have, and finally. Things conspired in such a way where I had to take it. So uh, God has a way of uh, saying, you know, I give you rest, so you, so you need to take it. But in any event, let's jump right into the word tonight uh, after a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. God, how we bless you. God, how we praise you. You are faithful to us. Father, we would merely pray that you would teach tonight, that you would teach in such a way that we hear it in our inner man, and that we would respond in faith to all that you say to us collectively as well as individually. Tonight we acknowledge you as our Father, our Lord, our King, and we praise you. And, Father, we study tonight that we might do your bidding, not that we would be seen as some kind of um, real smart person or know-it-all or anything like that. We just want to do your will. So help us tonight. Help us to stay focused. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight we jump into Acts chapter 19. If you remember um, in Acts chapter, when we left off in 18, that we discussed Apollos. And in discussing Apollos, we uh, showed you how um, Prisca and Aquila came alongside of him to, to help him learn more completely the, way, the ways of Jesus. And now we move to Acts chapter 19. And you know what? We've been at this a long time, but I'm telling you, soon, real soon, hey, hey, um, hey, y'all, how y'all doing, everybody? Um, I'm telling y'all real soon that we'll be done with this because we're at 19, we go to 28. And then we'll figure out what else we're going to get into, okay? But anyway, let's begin right away in Acts chapter 19, verse 1. It says, and it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. 
There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he, and he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So here we are. And Paul, having returned, having promised, first of all, to come back to Ephesus, because if you remember, he, he rushed away from Ephesus and he left Priscilla and Aquila there and he, to journey back to Jerusalem. And in journeying back to Jerusalem, before he left, he says, look, uh, I want to continue this ministry because Ephesus was important to him. Remember, this is the second time now that he's tried to go to Ephesus in, uh, in the previous chapter. Remember, um, at one point, uh, before he went over into Greece, he wanted to travel down to Ephesus, but the Holy Spirit forbid him from going there because he, he says, Remember the vision that he had of the man in Macedonia saying, come over here, we need help. And, he, and, and so he went over into Macedonia and then down to Athens and then over to Corinth. Well, and then he left Corinth and he went over to Ephesus where he drops off Priscilla and Aquila. And he begins to minister there, but he couldn't stay because he had that appointment in Jerusalem that he had to get to. Well, now, and he told him, he says, I'll come back when I get a chance. And so this is him coming back now. And when he gets here, the first thing that he encounters are some disciples, and he discerns that something is not quite right. What he, what he said, what he basically discerned was these people don't really understand What's going on? And what was the thing that they didn't understand? They didn't understand that Jesus, even though they believed in Jesus, was the fulfillment of the prophecy. What they, what they were doing was they had repented of their sins and were following Jesus, but had never been baptized. And the, the baptism that they had received was John's baptism. And we call that the baptism of repentance. We call that also a baptism that foretells what Jesus will fulfill. Remember 
it says that 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 you know when John John's own testimony says that I baptize you with water, but there is one coming along greater than me, and she and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And they and Paul recognizes in them that they have yet to receive the promise of God, which is the Holy Spirit. Now, this passage will can open us up to a whole lot of conversations again concerning baptism. What is the right way to be baptized? Are you baptized in the name of Jesus? Uh, do you have to have hands laid on you when you're baptized to receive the Holy Spirit? Um, all of those con- uh, all of those conversations. Well, let me just weigh in. First of all, as I've said many times before, if you are baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, then you're also baptized in the name of Jesus. If you're baptized in the name of Jesus, you're also baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they're all one. There is no separating the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. No separation at all. They are three in one. Secondly, and this and this this is very important. As we've explained in baptism, baptism the purpose of baptism is, number one, the announcement of, and the death of self that you die, that Christ might live. And when we are baptized in the name of someone, what we are declaring publicly, and this is just a physical aspect of baptism now. Remind this is a physical aspect of baptism. When you are baptized in the name of someone, what you are saying is that I die, and when I come up out of the water, I now become the representative of, I now act in the authority of, I now uh, take on the identity and personality of the name into which I have been baptized. Now, Paul will later argue that, um, with the Corinthians, and specifically when he, when he says, unto whom were you baptized? Because they were arguing that I am of Paul and I am of Apollos. Remember that, div- that division that, that we'll get into in Corinthians? Where, and what he says, no, all of you were baptized unto Jesus. Therefore, you should be acting like, representing under the authority of, authorized by Jesus, not Paul or Apollos. And so from that aspect, that's what, he, that's what baptism is. So all of this rigmarole that, that Baptists have with, with Church of God and Christ is all uh-uh. It is a trick of the enemy to bring division within the body of Christ. Now we know better, so we're going to do better. Secondly, there are some who argue, who argue, and I've, I've studied with one professor who, who says that, that it is at baptism that we receive the Holy Spirit. I can't quite go along with that. I really can't go along with that because 
um, I see where his argument comes from, and he and I have sat down and discussed it, and, you know, we agree to disagree, and we don't disrespect each other or anything like that because, you know, both of us are learned enough to understand that it's a, it's a, in essence it's the way we interpret it as well as the understanding of certain biblical principles. And his understanding of biblical principles and what the Bible says leads him to conclude that at baptism you get the Holy Spirit. King, I, can't, I can't go along with that because the evidence is not there. The evidence is not there. I believe that you get the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit indwells you when you make your confession, when you're born from above. Okay. Because how can you be born from above and there's no spirit within you? So I think, and again, notice what I say. I think that there is a connection with spirit and confession. When you receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. Again, because there's no separating them. Filling is another thing. When you become filled with the Spirit, because as I say, you can there's there is one indwelling, multiple fillings, and being filled with the Spirit means that you are completely overwhelmed and under the control of the Spirit of God. That's that's the filling portion. And so God empowers you. He fills you and empowers you to do certain things for him in that particular time period. The Holy Spirit is always indwelling, but not necessarily filling. You see that? And so what what Paul sees then, Paul sees that, that these people are trying to follow Jesus, but they have not been, number one, baptized or, or died to self to, to live for God. And secondly, there is the, the, there's the missing power. Okay? There's the missing power. And it's based upon them not knowing. Because what do they say in the text? We have not so much as seen, we've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. So all of those things are, that's what you see in that little pericope in Acts chapter 19. Those are the, that's the interplay. And when Paul uh, uh, prayed, baptizes them and, they, and he lays hands on them, they receive the Holy Spirit. They receive the Holy Spirit. Amen? So let's move on. And, it, and at the latter part of that pericope, um, he enters the synagogue. And he, for three months, he reasons with them. But he meet the people, what does it say here? He says, but when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way. That's verse 9. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them. Now, look at that, that term stubborn. That's the... That Greek word that's translated stubborn is the equivalent of Hebrew word used with Pharaoh when they said Pharaoh hardened his heart. What they have done is they 
to the word, to the word. And it is important that we never harden our heart to the word. They refuse, they reject the word of God. How do you harden your heart to the word? You harden your heart to the word when you when you refuse to receive it. Go back to the parable of the sower. The sower goes forth sowing seed, and he, and he scatters it on some hard ground. And what happens to the seed? It gets trodden underfoot. If you are in your garden now, and I know we're from all over the United States, and we, we can't get in our gardens yet because the soil is still too cold to receive seed. But one of the things that you want to grow plants, to grow vegetables, to grow grass, is you want a soil that is able to receive the seed. When the ground is too hard, you could throw all the grass seed out there you want on it. You're not getting grass. You're feeding some birds. That's all you're doing because the soil is not pliable. And because the soil is not pliable, it can't receive the seed. Believe, believers, I got to tell you this. In order for you to receive the word of the Lord, your heart has to be open to the word. Your heart must be open to the word. Your heart must be receptive to God in order to receive his word. Anytime uh, God sends a word to you and you don't receive it, you're hardening your heart. You're being just like old Pharaoh. You're saying no to God. You're saying no to his word. And when we don't receive his word, we don't grow. It's as simple as that. Nothing grows within us. His spirit can't grow within us. Nothing can grow in a hard heart. And in this instance, when we're talking about the heart now, when we speak of the heart, we're not talking of the literal heart of man, you know, that thing that's pumping all the blood. We, are talk, we, we talk about the will, the emotions, the mind. There is no growth in those areas. And so you, you're barren. You're barren. You're just basically spiritually barren, and you won't grow spiritually. So my encouragement is always, I encourage everybody all the time, do the same thing. Receive the word of the Lord. Receive the word of the Lord. Notice I said, I didn't say understand what he's saying. I'm saying receive it. What do you, what do you mean by that? When, even when you don't understand the Lord, I believe what you said. I'll do what you say do. But I don't understand what you're saying, but I'm going to, because it's your word, and because I know it's from you, because my sheep hear my voice, and another they won't follow, because I know it's from you, I'm going to do it. I'm going to move by faith. I'll move by faith on your word. Let's keep going. So what, he, what does he do? He says, okay, I got I, I'm not going to waste my time. I'm not going to waste my time here. And so, so some of you wonder, uh, based on this, so when do we stop 
you know, when we when we when we're sharing the word of God with somebody, when do we stop? We stop when the Holy Spirit tells us to stop. Paul didn't stop on his own. Paul stopped because he, the Holy Spirit basically told him, you know what, move on, move on. Sometimes we pray for people, we witness to them, we do everything, we show them the love of God, and they reject it. And God does not require us to uh, continue going on and on and on and on and on. No, he'll tell us when to quit. Now, some of us, some of us, and I'm, I'm speaking for myself too, some of us, uh, when someone rejects the word that we give them, some of us are quick to just basically say, I told them, they ain't listening, see you later. No, that's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. You have to be connected to God in prayer. And when the Lord tells you and he says, okay, move on, i got something else for you to do, you've done your job here. Because sometimes it's just exposure. And somebody else is going to come along and continue to minister to them. Other times they've made their decision and they have appointed themselves for judgment. Not on us. Our job is to deliver the word, to show forth the love of God, period. Let me keep moving. So now I'm on verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hand of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their disease left them. And the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I abjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices, and a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. So what's going on here? I'll tell you what's going on. What's going on here is that as they see the miracles... Now, I, didn't, I don't know if I spent enough time with Ephesus, but Ephesus was a place where um, the temple of um, uh, Artemis was. And this temple was one of the seven wonders of the world. And in this temple, there was, there was, a, lot of pra- there was a, a lot of false practices. There was the, the, uh, they worshiped God uh, false gods, all of that stuff was going on. And they had these magicians, and they had these people that, put, that claimed that they were something. 
that claimed that they were something. Now, this is not the first time. This must have been going on all over the place because this is not the first magician that we encounter in Acts. But this time, his sons, you see, they said he was a high priest. He was not a high priest in the sense of Judaism. So he wasn't one of those. No, he called himself a high priest. He was a high priest of witchcraft. But he was not a Jewish high priest. He was not a recognized high priest in Judaism. So don't get don't don't get to thinking that now this this guy's connected with Judaism. No, they got enough problems over there without adding this guy on to them. But instead, he was one who claimed to be something that he was not, and so. When they saw, and, and again, what they did, what magicians did was they, you know, they, they, would, they had their spells and they would, you know, chant this thing out and, you know, an eye of a nude and the bat wing and all that kind of stuff. You know how we see on TV, that kind of thing. They had their chants. Well, they found out that they heard that when you can evoke the name of Jesus, things happen. And so they're in is this exor- they're into doing this exorcism, and they say, you know what? I know what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna get this rascal out, and the way we're gonna get it is we're gonna invoke the name of Jesus. Now you might look at this as a funny story, but there's a there's something that you need to understand. They are walking, claiming the authority of Jesus. And they haven't been authorized. You see, Christians are, who, are, who have surrendered themselves to God and have been baptized and received the Holy Spirit walk in the authority of God with the authority of God. And ye shall receive what when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? Ye shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes comes upon you. And so when you have the authority of the Holy Spirit, when you have the power of the Holy Spirit, and you can invoke the name of Jesus because you are authorized. These guys got no authority to do anything. But yet they're coming upon up on demons and they saying, you know what, we just don't use Jesus' name. How dare you? And you ain't going to do that no more. Because when they do it, the demon recognized that they had no authority, and they put a lick on them. Yes, he did. He, the demon put a lick on them. Go back into your Gospels real quick. Just go back into the Gospels real quick. I don't have a whole lot of time to do that tonight. But when you go back into the, the, the Gospels, what do you find out? The demons recognized and knew who Jesus was. Remember those pigs? Remember when he comes comes into the land of the Gadarenes, and 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 when he get, when he gets there, you know, the, the pigs and everything. They say uh, the the um, uh, the, the Gadarenes saw him, or the, was it the legions? He says, "Who are you? We're legions because we're many." And he says, "Well, put us over into the pigs. Don't are you come to torment us, Jesus?" He says, put us over in the pig. And remember what the pigs did? They ran off the cliff. Demons recognize Jesus. But not only do they recognize Jesus, they recognize the people who 
are empowered by Jesus, who are connected to Jesus, and they will respond. Well, that's another teaching now. That's a, that's a whole other teaching right there. I don't want to. I don't want to get too deep in that. But they know who they know who got Jesus and who don't. And they know who perpetrating. Anyway, so what's the result of it? Not just the, the fun. The, that, that's the funny part that they got beat up. But God uses that to advance his word and bring about repentance, true repentance in Ephesus. What do you mean he brought about true repentance in Ephesus? There were people that were still on the fence. But when this happens and the word spreads abroad, what, what do they do? They come and they said, oh, wait a minute, we got uh-uh. we we to quit straddling the fence. We got to quit dabbling in the, these magic arts, and we're burning this stuff. We're following Jesus completely. I wanna, I'm going I'm to start pulling up right about here just to just give you this one teachable thing. There are many Christians out there today who are straddling the fence, who have made a commitment to Jesus but are still dabbling in witchcraft. Yeah. Yeah, any time, I mean, for example, Christians and drug use. It's a big thing about marijuana now. Anytime you are dealing with drugs to alter your mind, to, to take you out of your current reality and place you mentally in another state, which is what uh, marijuana does. I call it marijuana. I want to say reefer so bad because, you know, I come from the era where we call it reefer. That's what reefer does. You are dabbling in witchcraft. There are others who dabble in witchcraft. Oh, and you say, well, wait a minute, hold on. Where do you think the word witchcraft comes from? It comes from the word, I believe it's pronounced pharmacopoeia, where we get our word pharmacy from. And so it not only deals with those of us who are trying to contact other spirits uh, to manipulate our reality, but those of us who are trying to manipulate our reality using drugs. Also, those who try to manipulate reality through um, uh, uh, fortune-telling. Um, I, I personally stay away from horoscopes, any uh, Ouija boards and all of this. I stay away from all of that. What God's going to tell me about the future, he'll tell me because I ain't messing with that stuff. No, I just don't do it. That's me. That's me. But, but when we try to take over our own reality, when we try to manipulate something from the spirit world, um, like, like uh, Saul did when he was calling up Samuel, when, when, it, when it was told he was going to die, uh, those things are witchcraft. And so we don't want to do them. We want to, and, it, and it, you know, if, if it's something that you've done or something that you've got questions about, you know, in terms of witchcraft and all that, if you don't know no better, you just don't know any better. You take it before the Lord. 
Not only do you take it before the Lord, if you know that it's wrong, take it before the Lord and repent of it. That's what, look, Lord, I've been doing this, and you know, I didn't think it was you know, offensive to you or anything. There are a lot of people that you know um, do drugs that didn't know that it was wrong. They, they didn't know. And so because they didn't know, once you know, then you say, okay, well, I've been doing that. It's like with any sin. If you're sinning unintentionally or it's a sin of ignorance because you don't know that it's something that you shouldn't be doing, all you got to do is go say, look, Father, I did that, and I, it's wrong. Now, I'm in it. You got to help me get out of it because this does not please you. This does not comport with your word. He's faithful and just to forgive us. Well, got to stop there. We're still in Ephesus. Next week we'll get to the riot. Uh, I promise you, third, I promise that I let you know that our, our studies would be thirty minutes. I could keep going on for another, you know, easily another half hour, but I won't. I'll stop here. We'll we'll pray, and we'll move forward into Acts chapter uh, 19, and we'll start at verse 21 next week. Amen? Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. Father, tonight we hear you say two things. Number one, to be faithful to your word, but to not get stuck on people. That when when they harden their hearts, when they harden their hearts, that it's time for us to move on. Secondly, that when we go forth, We go forth with authority. And then there's one more thing that we learned. We learned that we need your spirit. God, how we need your spirit. Father, we repent tonight as a church that we've allowed our misunderstanding of baptism to divide us, that we've allowed our misunderstanding of your word to create denominationalism and cause us to reject people who don't do it the way that we think that it should be done. Father, we ask that in the coming days, not months, not years, but in the coming days, that you would heal the body of Christ, that you would bring forth pastors who are not concerned about Uh, their interpretation of what they think is right, but instead are so concerned with us being one before you and being obedient before you that they would just lay down denominationalism and come together as one body of believers. God, how we bless you and we praise you. How we magnify your name. Father, tonight we pray for those who have joined us in the Bible study. We pray blessings upon them and their households. We pray, O oh Father, that the word penetrates their heart, that they get excited, so excited that they come running to you, that they would reread the passages and speak to you in prayer, and that you would minister to them in the quietness and in the stillness of their homes. We thank you for the blessings that you have bestowed upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Very, very quickly, if there are 
questions that you want to put up on the screen or call on the phone. Uh, you can put them on the screen. I can see real good the, this new setup I got. I see everything now. Um, you can type them in. I'll take them right now and go forward. Or if you are on um, the Blog Talk Radio, you can call me at 929-477-2304, 929-477-2304. And you know that if you don't hurry and put a question out there, you know I'm going to shut it down because, you know, I said 30 minutes and then I give you all 15 minutes of question time, but we're not going to stay out here waiting for you all. Mm-mm. Nope. Block Talk Radio, 929-477-2304. And then uh, Facebook Live, I see you. I see you. Good evening, Michelle. How are you doing? Um, it was a bunch of other names up there earlier, and I, you know, I could see them, but I, I got on a roll as usual, and so, you know, I get caught up in the word. But anyway, okay, since there's no questions, I'm not seeing it. Can't wait to make it. Oh, I can't wait till it either. Um, if there's no questions, then I'll, um, I'm going to shut it down for the night. I will see you next Wednesday night at 7 uh, p.m. This has been Pastor Winfred Burns with the Word on Wednesday. God bless you. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.